Welcome to In Conversation. I'm your host, Brett Rogers. New relationships are starting to emerge in an incredibly exciting and rapidly evolving world. Open relationships, relationship contracts, swingers, committed singles, and of course, polyamory. We're talking love here, people. Love. It's not that long ago that people were absolutely petrified of exposing their quote-unquote abnormal relationships to the real world. People could be and were ostracized from families, work, friendship circles, and more. Under no circumstances are we saying that's no longer the case, but there is a sea change happening here, where people with alternative relationships are emerging from the shadows of social judgment and criticism. This week on N, available at Instagram at thisisin underscore underscore, we're focusing on polyamory and what it means from the perspective of people who consider themselves poly. Amongst other people, we'll hear from the Triad family, a Christian-focused polyamorous group in the US. We'll define the fascinating word compersion, as well as a few other tidbits from around the world. Follow this is in underscore underscore on, on Instagram to see all that. But first, I'm speaking with married couple Dan and Zoe, who have been living a polyamorous life for some time now. They discuss the trials, joys, and tribulations of living a polyamorous life. Enjoy the show. Dear listeners, I'm chatting with friends Dan and Zoe. Um, and this week, we are delving into relationships, the changing nature of the relation of relationships, and... Um, the other week we discussed uh, single life, which is also a sort of relationship and, um, uh, that one has with oneself, um, which also affects one's romantic relationships. And, uh, this week, of course, we are, uh, we're discussing polyamory. Um, so it's quite kind of weird, I suppose, from my perspective to be consciously asking people about their private lives. Um, so I'm very grateful, first of all, to, to you guys for um, being uh, being open. Um, and um, yeah, I, we're just really interested in not the, the fetishization of, of your relationships, which I suppose is something that can be of concern, um, but more interested in just the realities of it and the, the joys of it, the not joys of it. And, um, you know, there's people out there who don't know anything and uh really we'd we would rather this world is a kinder gentler place and we'll only be kinder gentler if we empathize with each other a bit more so welcome to the studio awesome thank you yeah. i think that wasn't the best intro i've ever done <laughs> i'm <laughs> so pretty smooth. good about that one so smooth, thank you thank you um so uh, guys just to jump straight into it um how do you define polyamory sure uh, for you guys, so for essentially. Us, yeah, so obviously every polyamorous couple kind of has their... I think it's one of the, the biggest difficulties with it is that there's no single... You know, the dictionary definition does not necessarily apply to the real-life execution of that relationship. And every couple that we know has a different way of managing it. Um, and I think that we... I mean, it, it took us... Nine years, I think, of being together in a monogamous relationship to get to the point where we were able to definitely be on the same page in terms of our communication um, and also respect one another's styles and forms of communication. Know that some of us process really quickly, other one, you know, the other person may take a little bit of time. And yeah, it took us to that, that point, point of trust and honesty um, and feeling secure enough in our relationship to kind of go, okay, cool, how, how can we evolve more and develop more? And I think the initial uh, side of it was to 
play a little bit more with our sexuality and um, explore that a little bit more because, I mean, we met when I was 17, you know, so it's like most of my, I was not expecting to meet my life partner when I was so young um, and Dan as well. And so we'd been together monogamous for so many years and I think, it, yeah, it initially started as that, oh, let's, let's explore, let's try something different. And from there, it evolved to a point where we started to meet really amazing people, other couples, other singles, people who just have a very proper non-prejudice, non-judgmental, you come as you are. Um, and I think in terms of the, the polyamory, it's any relationship is hard. Any relationship. Yeah. So yeah. not just romantic ones, but maintaining your relationship with your friends, with your family, everything like that. And so when you add additional people into a relationship, it does add that extra layer. And I think that, you know, like, like throwing yourself into any other relationship, it's scary because it's like you fall in love and you become very attached. And now there's multiple people involved. So you're managing... I don't know, multi multiple relationships, I guess, and yeah. trying to be aware of other people's feelings and then at the same time be true to yourself. So, so yeah, I actually, I, I think multiple relationships is probably the single best definition of polyamory out there. Um, I, it, is, it is something that is so unique to, to, to every, every individual situation or every single polyamorous relationship out there, like, like Zoe says. We like to call it uh, um, ethical non-monogamy. Yeah, I actually think, yeah, I actually think we, we like to call it ethical non-monogamy because I think polyamory is, is it's, it's, it's a bit too, it's a bit too convoluted for people to actually understand. So when you start talking about polyamory, you start talking about things like, um, uh, you get different definition, different different definitions of certain relationship structures within polyamory. So you get solo poly and you get triads, and it starts to become really really complicated. Primary and secondary relationships. Yeah. And um. So so yeah, we we just like to, to we just generally like to term it as a non monogamous relationship. Uh, can you unpack those words ethical non monogamy? Because I think that it's important. Yeah. Um. So essentially. And I think this is the interesting thing for both Zoe and I, uh, and I think for many people that we've met is, is, is um, I think people often um, associate the term monogamy purely with, with a sexual relationship. But I don't think it's just sexual. Uh, it's, it's not just about sex. It's about the entire spectrum of what a relationship is. So, you know, you could be in a polyamorous relationship where you are actually in an emotional relationship with three or four people, but perhaps only have sex with one or two. Um, and that's why it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so unique. So I think the ethical part of it comes down to the pure, simple idea that everyone involved is aware. Mm -hmm. I think that's the simple of rule. Everything, of yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, so ethical, ethical non-monogamy is, is based on the ideas of op openness, honesty, trust, um, heavy focus on communication. Mm -hmm. um, and if every person involved in that relationship um, holds by what I would say those are probably core principles. Mm. That's how you start to work through and deal with it. But the structure and how each relationship deals with certain things is going to be completely unique. It's not like you can give a, a blueprint. I think just like we go, you know, in a normal monogamous relationship, there is no blueprint to relationship Don't success. Don't use the word normal. Well, normal, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, traditional. in a, a traditional, yeah, traditional relationship, yeah. yeah, there's no blueprint to success. It's the same thing within a polyamorous. And I think people tend to go, how do I do polyamory right? And, and 
there is no real way to do it right. But I think that having said that, there are those core principles that you can that you can hold and focus on. Um, I was I was thinking recently about what um, what makes a relationship nice for me, uh, what I enjoy about being in a relationship, and um, those are things like um, sharing things with people. Um, uh, but something that I that I was thinking about, which strikes me as maybe tricky with uh, with uh, ethical non-monogamy or polyamory, uh, is that is safety. Um, you know, um, safety in you know it's it's when you think about open relationships. Open relationships in in my mind often relates to just you're having sex with somebody else or having intimacy with somebody else, and then you come back and it's over. Um, or it's not over, but the point is, is not the love word. Um, whereas with, um, with polyamory, the word love is, is uh, integral, um, into those relationships that you just said it yourself, that there's the love, even if there's not the, not the sex mm. and, you know, l- l- watching your partner love someone else. Um, and I, I would always, from my perspective, and, and I'm, a, I'm a person who's trying to learn more about my emotions is that I would find that worrying that my love my in inverted commas might i might lose that mm-hmm. that person it's terrifying it's the big it's probably the biggest it's the biggest fear in terms of what people because essentially you're doing what society has told you your entire life not to do um and so all of those fears come from your internal insecurities and we all have that fear of being abandoned or not loved or whatever it is, and then, you know, there's, there's the combination depending on whether you're talking about, you know, because the, the, like you say, the concept of polyamory is more relationship-based versus having an open relationship. So we, have, we do both, and that's where it, you know, that's where you really have to be very, very clear about your boundaries. Um, and I think we are really, really lucky because when we started to kind of explore and meet new people, the first couple that we met up with, uh, which was purely for an open thing. It was not like we were looking for other people. In fact, we were not looking to be poly. We were like, monogamous relationships enough work. Like, holy crap, I can't imagine adding a third person. And it happened completely accidentally um, and very naturally. And I think that uh, leading up to it, from, from very young, I'd always been quite open. I don't have much of a filter. I'm very honest and I'm very comfortable sharing things that are very intimate for some people and things that are, you know, like looking at the darker parts of myself or the parts that are embarrassing to share. Um, and so going into it, when it was just like, oh, let's let's go have a threesome, let's shake things up, I had preempted in my head everything that could possibly go wrong, you know? I'd gone like, oh my gosh, what if I look up and they are having this magical moment and I just feel my heart drop into my stomach or, you know... What if I what if I look up and you know she's mm, ten years younger than me and is absolutely gorgeous and has a magical golden vagina or and it's a very very threatening you know or ten years older than me and is an experienced powerful woman there's always going to be mm-hmm. those bits and it all comes from our personal insecurities really and it's without a doubt something that we've had to deal with and struggle with and we still deal with it and struggle with it we've only been in the community for around three years. And also in Cape Town, there's a big difference. We ended up in the kink fetish community. 
And so in Cape Town, there's like the poly community, which is very like, we are not necessarily kinky. We are not necessarily fat orientated, you know, like that's its own thing. Then there's the swinger community, which is far less honest and open and negotiated. It's far more kind of swap and then that's it. I think that's what people generally... That's how they, yeah, and I think there's often people see it as like a bit of a free-for-all or, you know, it's just like, oh, free love. And it's like, no, that's really not what it's about. No such thing as free love anyway. No such thing as free love. And, you know, it's, it's about not being reckless with people's hearts. And I think in the poly and the kink community or in the open relationship community, there is something, I call it the J word, because people do not want to talk about jealousy. We all want to be more enlightened and more progressive and more open and more accepting than one another. And I'm a radically jealous person, and I've always been like that, from when Dan met me, like, I don't know, to like 11, 12 years ago. And I've always been very open about the fact that, like, I will stab another <laughs> human being in the eye. But I think if, you, <laughs> if you're lucky enough to, um, to find that person that you love them for everything they are, you know, but not just a summation of their good parts, everything, um, you do. You can get to a point of security. And it's not a linear process, you know. One day you, like, feel so strong and secure in your relationship and the next day you're doubting yourself. So it is very much an up and down but what I love about it is that I think it's easy in a monogamous relationship to get into a routine and a habit and to let other bits in life um, kind of start to get in the way of you reconnecting with yourself and checking in with your partner and it was something Dan and I used to do the whole way through our relationship which was go are we just comfortable are we just are we staying in this relationship because it's comfortable and it's easy and it's a personal do I really, really love and want to be with this person? And every time it's been that second answer, you know. Um, but I think the jealousy thing is is hard. And it's it's real. Like, it's very, very, very real. So uh, when you talk about jealousy, the, the, the obvious word when, when you're doing some studying on the topic is uh, compersion. Um, uh, the, the love, the opposite of jealousy um, do you guys have any feelings on that word or, um, it's embarrassing. I've never heard that word. Oh, uh, um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. <you> know. <laughs> so, um, compersion, I don't actually have the, I don't have the, the definition sense. right here, but it is, it, it doesn't actually exist. Like, I don't think it's in the Oxford English Dictionary, but it's, um, um, it's the joy that you feel from seeing people you love engaging in sexual intimacy. Yeah, um, I, I don't think it has to just be sexual intimacy, sure. to be honest. I, this I, is, I find the sexual right. intimacy easier to than be the honest. actual relationship. Like you were saying, watching yeah. someone that you love be in love with someone else is, has been, for me, a lot more challenging than the actual sexual element of it. And I yeah. think probably for you as well. Yeah, actually, you're probably right. I, I think... Um, I don't know where... The, 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 it's very interesting to, 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 to phrase this because I think um, at, at the crux of it, I, w- I don't want to say most, but I would say probably most people, the majority of people who are in polyamorous relationship, it, essentially what it is, it's a recognition that, um, that uh, as a single person, um, trying to be everything 
that your partner wants or needs is perhaps not only impossible, but also unfair on yourself. Um, and I think a lot of people mm. in traditional relationships end up trying to change themselves for their partners or um, change their partners according to what they want. And I think I think at the base of, particularly where Zoe and I are at with where we are, I think it was really a recognition of that you might love this person, this might person might be your person. But in understanding, and I think Zoe referenced it earlier, in understanding that that is who that human being is and you love them for everything that they are, this, the parts that might not be so great, the parts that are great, and understanding that trying to force a person to be something, that you, everything that you need is, is not the right way to do it. And, and I think that one of the, and this is where I think it comes back to that word, for one of the things that gives me the biggest amount of joy or what I've really realized is, is that there are certain things that I, not that I can't, it's just not, it's not, it doesn't come naturally to give them, the, for me to give those things to Zoe. So when she can get them somewhere else, it's 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 quite nice for me to see that. <laughs> does that does that make does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. But I think that there's always a there, there, there's always still there was always still been between the two of us a, a, an understanding and a recognition that 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 comes from a base of an incredibly strong um, connection that the mm. two of us have to begin with. I don't know I, I I don't know how that would work without that base because that's where our our sort of experience. Well, you spend nine from. years learning how to love each other, right? Exactly. Yeah. And crap ton of work, crap ton of difficulties. You know, we, we hurt each other quite early on in our relationship. And I think most people in their early 20s would have gone like, okay, let's call it. Like, yeah. this is, it's going to be a really hard way to kind of build each other's trust back up. And mm. both of us knew immediately in the moment, we were like, no, yeah, we definitely want to work through this. And I think every time we've hit one of those bumps, whether it's been during our monogamous relationship or during this um, kind of open polyamorous relationship it has ultimately made us stronger mm. and it's always harder it's one of those things talking about conflict and things that make you feel uncomfortable or emotions and feelings that you're embarrassed to have sometimes you know you can rationalize and go like but deep down I don't actually feel like this but the immediate intrinsic reaction is a very very strong emotion and you're like this isn't rational like I feel secure in my relationship Mm. but at the same time I'm feeling insecure within myself so it's a it's a crazy balancing act but I think it's it's things that happen in monogamous relationships and I feel like the polyamory just forces you to check in with each other yeah I was about to say it seems like a um you know we don't get uh guidebooks for relationships um but uh, alternative relationships very often they are guidebooks or multiple different guidebooks for how to how to grow up and how to handle it and how to f- push yourself into um, into better relationship habits. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, just recently, I, I've been thinking about how I wish to handle relationships and um, the amount of work that I want to put in, and I'm finding this desire in me that I want to talk to somebody. I want to engage with them and find out how they're doing and, and work on those things. And uh, the alternative relationship world is, is one of those worlds that, that makes you say, hey, this is what you can do. You can help yourself like this, which is so often like not a thing that you get told in uh, especially heteronormative relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, just to add on to that, I, I think that, that, you know, we see jealousy or, you know, 
jealousy is to to me is something that society sees as something that is a, ba- yeah, a bad or a negative yeah. emotion, and I don't and, and we we frame it like that as a society, but I don't think it necessarily is. And this kind of leads to what 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 you're saying is I think because when you in when you put yourself in a situation where you're now in a polyamorous relationship, there are more than two people involved. Um, immediately when you feel an emotion like jealousy, it becomes an opportunity to, to investigate, uh, when you feel it, where does that feeling come from? Well, why am I feeling like this? Like, so I said, even if you know that logically it's an irrational feeling. And I think that, um, one of the things for me, the, one of the most powerful things about, uh, um, uh, polyamory and, and mon- non-monogamous relationships is how much it forces you to put all of those things that I think people in traditional relationships either suppress or ignore. So, for example, if you feel jealous in a polyamorous relationship, you have to examine it and tackle it. Whereas I think in a, in a traditional relationship, obviously, if someone feels jealous, they tend to suppress it and not really examine it because there's no real mm. reason for them to unpack it. Mm. Um, so to, and it so, might be seen as a negative from their partner as exactly, well. So yeah. there's fear involved in, in that rejection. We, it's funny because yeah. we kind of see, we find it quite adorable when each other gets jealous because <laughs> it's almost like a bit of a reminder <laughs> of, of like, oh, you love me so much. So I think that that's been quite an interesting way. It's What I do is normally when I face a feeling of, of discomfort or insecurity and it's it's... Um, often in um, play situations where maybe the third person involved or the other people involved, um, I don't necessarily feel the same mental or emotional connection, and I'm very much pansexual, demisexual. So it's not really about the gender, or it's it's about the person basically and having the, a connection with the person. And um, what I will do in those situations is I'll throw myself in the deep end. I'll go, okay, this is something that's really I'm struggling with. Um, and that has worked for me, you know, I've pushed myself to do things that maybe are slightly out of my comfort zone, but I know where my boundary is. And that's, I would say the next huge thing is going, this is my boundary. I am not comfortable doing this because, Mm. and being allowed to shift those boundaries, like the concept of consent, you know, it's like, I can change my mind and go, I was comfortable in this situation and now I'm not that comfortable yeah. let's reevaluate let's have that conversation I, th- so. I think the more we the more we speak the more Zoe and I speak to people friends people we meet who are in traditional relationships and we talk about the things that we're talking now it's often often nine out of ten times you get the other person going like I can take these things into my traditional like like you yeah. just said yeah um, and, I, and I do think that, that that you know practicing these skills and being forced to do these things have actually benefited us outside of our oh, yeah. chosen relationships and it, our, I think our communication skills and our self-awareness of how we feel, where we sit, mm. etc., In has world. increased yeah. as a whole and I think that's an incredibly powerful thing that people don't necessarily yeah. talk about. <laughs> I, I'm also just listening to you guys and thinking about how um, negotiating um, intimacy of whatever kind with, uh, with a person, uh, wh- no matter who it is, um, as a, as a, a single person to a single person, um, uh, can be, people are often obfuscating the truth and hiding stuff. And, um, you know, we play a certain game and pretend to be a certain character, um, in order to seduce that person. Um, but it strikes me with, uh, your guys' relationships or relationships of the poly nature that, the the seduction of a person or of a couple needs to be super duper consent based. <laughs> yeah, this is what we want. This is who we are. This is who you are. This is what we want. Okay, cool. Which seems like a far safer way of handling uh, intimacy in the world. 
uh, compared to how it is now. Yeah, and it sounds really transactional like, mm-hmm. when you well, put yeah. it like that, but it's Sorry. not. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. uh, no, but I understand but where not, it is, but it's, it's actually not. not. And I think, yeah. when you, I think when you explain it to people, uh, even when we say, because I would say it exactly like you've said it, and I think people go, but it's so transactional. <laughs> and it's like, uh, it's, it's actually not. Um, I think what it is is, 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 is like Zoe says, there still has to be some kind of, I actually like this person. <laughs> like, I actually, do, it's not like you're just going out there and kind of, you know, doing whatever the fuck you want. It's, it's, <laughs> and it's really just making sure that you're not reckless with people's yeah. things, you know? Mm. And I think we operate on something that they call kitchen table kali. So there are relationships where if you want to go off and you want to date a partner, um, you maybe don't share the ins and outs of that mm. relationship with your other partner and you like to keep it separate and you know that's fine whatever works for other people as long as they're open and they're standing their ground in terms of what they do and don't want because like I say we all want to be more progressive and so for example when Dan and I started in terms of what's what's that word that the composure composure yeah um in terms of when we started I was like I never want to watch my husband have sex with another woman. That sounds terrifying to me. Like, it's not, I'm not interested, you know. Um, I do not have that self-security or esteem to actually be able to cope with that. And then our first kind of hangout with this other lovely married couple, they also had kids, so there was that element of security and that, like, we're not looking for someone else. We're not looking outside to kind of fulfill ourselves. There isn't a gap or a lacking in our relationship we're just looking to explore more and you know in the moment we'd pre-discussed what we were and weren't comfortable just me and him and then the same with the other couple and then all four of us together and then in the moment I was like boom here's the condom I want to watch you fucker and was you know and then was very happy to kind of and I never would have preempted that like there is no way and then there's been other times when I've been watching where I've been like he doesn't make that noise with me. Mm. <laughs> it's like, you know, kick to the gut. And you just, you just talk about those things. And I think that, like, they happen far more in monogamous relationships than people want to admit, you know. Mm. So it's really, it's, the difference is just that it's to the power of three rather than to the power of two. Or four or five. Or four or five or, or yeah, whatever. And I, and, I, and I think that that's the thing is, is, that, is that's why communication or that, 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 I suppose that negotiation is so so key from the very beginning. So, for example, like, you know, if I if I ever met someone out there or so did, there's always going to be that conversation with that person right from the very beginning. Um, you know, that person would always know that that Zoe is there, that I'm that she is actually my main focus and my priority. Um, and I think that that's what Zoe means by by not being reckless with someone's heart. And it means that if if that other person you meet, you do decide to engage in some sort of relationship, that person is under no illusions of where they stand, or mm-hmm. or, or, or 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 how you. And you'll often find that poly people will go to extreme lengths. Go like, how many times a week do you want to talk? How many times? And it sounds like I say it's so transactional, um, but it's not. It's, it's just it's, healthy it's relationship just healthy dynamics. Com- it's, it's healthy communication and everyone going. This is what I want and this is what I don't want and. Sure, there's always going to be compromise on both sides, but I think when everyone is so clear um, and so comfortable stating where they stand, it, those conversations strangely become much easier to have. And they can be uncomfortable yeah. as well, and you just you push through that discomfort. You go through it, not around it, I mm. guess. Um, and I also think in terms of the... Yeah, the... 
No, train of thought's gone. It's okay. I, I, um, I was going to jump in there anyway. I wanted to ask you about um, about family and friends and um, and and society at the same time. Like how have how have you guys experienced? Um, I w- would imagine it was some sort of coming out um, for, for for family, especially. Um, and how did that go? And how have you seen over your time together? the reactions change if if at all well i shall i start yeah, my family don't know um, okay i haven't told my family uh, for a number of reasons number one i haven't had a reason to i don't actually feel that i need to at this point in time um and i think that uh, you know within our particular dynamic um i am not involved in an actual relationship with another person in terms of you know, actually spending significant periods of, of time. So poly is almost a state of mind rather than an actual yeah, um, I mean, Zoe's, practicality Zoe's, sometimes. Zoe currently has a, has another romantic partner. Um, I, I don't. And I've just, there's never been a, a reason for me, I think, to, to, to tell my... And I also think, you know, my family is, is, is particularly con- is a little bit more conservative than Zoe's family. They come from a little bit more of a Christian background. So I think it will be a little bit more of a, of, of, of a tougher discussion. Mm. Um. Friends-wise, for me, the few that have known or come to contact, which actually more than more than I, more than I'm now that I think about it, it's actually the majority of them. Uh, generally, the reaction is is not negative at all. It's it's of extreme interest. I think people just mm-hmm. want to know. Um, I think people just kind of want to figure out. Are you seeing it all over? The, I've seen articles about. I saw an article about polyamory in News Twenty Four the other day. I, I think it's becoming main main more and more mainstream, more and more spoken about, and I think people are legitimately interested. Um, in, 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 in what, it, what it entails and, and what it is. Although I will say that, you know, one of the things that's very amusing to Zoe and I is, that, is like you said, we kind of kind of started moving into the polyamory scene about three years ago. Um, we have kind of seen um, our friendship group change and shift slightly. We do tend to hang out uh, with people who participate in more non-traditional relationships Um there's possibly mm. perhaps more to talk about with them. There's a little bit more of a common ground. Um, so that's that's quite interesting. Um, oh, cool. I, I think Zoe can tell you a lot more from her side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, um, we were seeing a, a mutual girlfriend, basically, or partner. Um, and she was kind of living with us for a while. And it was around my birthday and I was going away with my folks and I decided that I wanted her to come with. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to come out. And my parents are extremely liberal. Like I grew up in a liberal echo chamber without a doubt. They were anti-apartheid. My grandparents were anti-apartheid. Like I do not come from the standard. They're hippies. Yeah. <laughs> they're super hippies. Well, now they're like yuppie hippies, yeah, but they're, they're they're really, really open-minded, um, and I grew up in that scene where there were gay people and trans people and a, a very beautiful kind of amalgamation of, of culture. So I was expecting my parents to be pretty chilled about it, so. and I was still terrified. I can remember having like this dry mouth, though. but I sat them down, and I was like, I want to tell you guys something really important, like... You know, I'm polyamorous, I'm coming out to you, and, you know, this person is Dan and my girlfriend, and I would like her to come away with us. And it was not well received. Wow. Yeah, it was not well received. My mom thought it was my bipolar. (laughs) She was like, you're manic, you're on a, this is a a self-destructive kind of path that you've gone down. 
and that's kind of where and I think she was just terrified for Dan and my relationship because the problem is is when you explain your lifestyle or dynamic to someone else they immediately put themselves in that position Mm. and it's going I'm not telling you I I don't think I'm never going to preach my lifestyle to anyone it doesn't make sense for me and they immediately go, oh, well, I could never do that. And it's like, well, I wasn't asking you. <laughs> it's yeah, my yeah. life. It's my lifestyle, you know. And so with my parents, look, my dad is pretty chilled. Like, I don't think he would really care. They also knew. They both said to me, they were like, yeah, we knew. And I was like, well. Why are you panicking then? Exactly. Thanks for communicating with me, guys. <laughs> like, you want me to be more open with you and share with you. And, like, we've always had a very um, open back and forth a relationship like my family does not hide things under the rug we can't my mom and I cannot keep our mouth shut when there's something niggling at us and so it's very interesting and I was at least expecting like a text message the next day to kind of go like hey you know it doesn't really make sense to us and we don't understand it but we love you no matter what and blah 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 awesome. whatever nothing oh absolutely nothing oh. no 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 response no <laughs> oh, response sure. and so we went to go and see our family therapist because everyone in my family goes to the cop doctor or as my dad calls it, the copy poppy. And um, we went to go and see this like family mediator and it was my mom and my dad and Dan and I. And it was very, very interesting because the thing is she didn't have a moral ethical leg to stand on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I went with this thing going like, I know that this is the way you guys have raised me to accept anyone as they are, as, as long as they're not being self-destructive or hurting anyone, yeah. you know, go for it. Like, so <laughs> I was really, really not expecting it. But the interesting thing was when my mom kind of started going through what her issues were with it, with the therapist, she kind of started answering her, like, answering her own questions and her own issues as she was going along. Like, she would be like, yeah, you know, I'm concerned about this and you know, Zoe's mental health and her stability and da-da-da. But I guess she is her own person and she is an adult and she does need to go and live her own life. So it was phenomenal because we were just sitting there going, why are we here? Like, <laughs> This is a waste of a couple of grand, guys. Yeah, it's like this is clearly <laughs> coming from your own personal insecurities. And now I really know that that's... Because, I mean, she's got her guilty pleasure of watching Sister Wives on TLC. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, oh, I would, I would just love to be one of these Sister Wives, you know. But I think I think Zoe summed it I summed it up perfectly. I think society's reaction is generally people when they hear about it, they put themselves in that position mm. and they try to mm-hmm. think about them in there. And, and and I think that's what generally freaks people out is that they they're not understanding that people are going. This is us. It's not I'm not asking you to do this. It's just this is what we what we're doing. And I also don't yeah. judge anyone's monogamous relationship. Yeah. it's like it's got nothing to do with me. It's mm. between those people, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and we know people who've been in polyamorous relationships and decided to go take it back to a monogamous yeah, one. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, 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 for ebbs and flows. I, it's like, like I said, I said, I think it's how how are you feeling now? What do you want? Where your where is your boundary lie? What do you want? What do you don't want? And being able to clearly state that. Uh, it sounds very healthy. Mm. Um, sorry for interrupting you there, uh, Dan. Um, I wanted to ask, um, why do you think the the attitude towards polyamory and to alternative lifestyles uh, has gone from of course it's not this is not like binary but like from criticism and judgment to curiosity 
What is it about our current society which is leading us in this direction? Ooh, interesting question. Jeez, that's a really tough question. <laughs> um, I, 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 to, to be honest, I think it's fueled by so many different factors. There, are so, many ver- there are so many crises. variables in there. <laughs> I think that's probably the biggest one. I think that there's a lot of identity crisis. I also think that, you know, younger people these days, and I'm even talking about younger than, than someone myself, um, you know, if you look at there's there's a huge, um, a far wider and deeper um, uh, drive um, for um, uh, various gender identity and acceptance of those people within society. Um, there's a much bigger drive, um, uh, and I think a renewed vigor for for, for things like um, women's rights, um, equality, etc., which are all brilliant things. And I think as soon as you start, as soon as you get a groundswell of of, of people who are really working towards those 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 things, um, you start to examine what society has laid out as the norm or what is normal, and you start realizing that no, what we've been told is normal isn't actually correct. Um, so it's, it's just traditional. It's just exactly. traditional, yeah. So I think that I think that as as you get people who are you know young young kids going into university and you know coming into an environment where there are big LGBTQ plus I whatever <laughs> other letters have been added on is too much for me now. But that whole that whole entire community is it's it's got a much more vocal voice, and I think that people are starting to see that traditional ways of doing things are not the only way to do things, and I think that. I think the true down if you if you sit down with most people um, and you have a deep deep conversation and you ask them to examine truly what they think and drop everything that they think society expects of them I think most people will tell you that they have in fact loved more than one person I think the idea that there's a one love your true love your soulmate all of or those at least I- been infatuated or yeah, interested or lusted after exactly mm. all of those ideas are, are starting to fall away they're 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 they're, they're societal constructs that i think are slowly being eroded and the um, shame and guilt and, and, and suppression and, attached to it and and, and, also and, and yeah and deeply questioned and i think that's probably the prime primary driver behind it that's a fantastic answer. Thank you. Um, I want to ask you, um, I've got some silly questions to follow, but um, I wanted to ask you guys uh, one, uh, one more question is, what is it that you love the most about each other? Yeses. Man, I'd like to flip over. I know. 5,000 would. Okay, you go I first. know what I love the most about you. I know, I know, I know what I love. (laughs) Okay, excellent. You both know the answer. That's good. That's good. I would say the thing that I love the most about Dan is that just like all of these kind of social norms that we're pushing against, you know, apart from the fact that we're married, (laughs) we tick that box. (laughs) Um, He's, I think a lot of men in this day and age are having a big identity crisis. I think it's a global thing. And being a white man in South Africa and owning your privilege and kind of figuring out where you fit in can be really, really challenging because it's like, I want to make a difference, but I, you know, also want to use my voice or my platform to prop other people's voices up. And what I found with Dan is I think it can be seen with, for a, for a man as like a very unusual um, characteristic, but Dan is incredibly compassionate and sensitive and empathetic and that follows him not just in his relationships but into his work environment where you know even if it's a project that his heart and soul is not necessarily in he will always go 150 miles and in any industry that you're working in it's going to be tough you know 
and he just goes in with such openness and and I think it can sometimes be a bit of a curse because it's like you go in with all these good intentions and then you realize oh people are people <laughs> <laughs> industry is industry workers work um but on the other hand I just think it's a it's something in a man in terms of his 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 sensitivity and his compassion that I don't I mean I see it in my dad as well you know a little bit of Eatable complex going on there, um, but uh, yeah. I what about you, Dan? And um, the thing I love most about Zoe is that she is exactly what you see and what you get is exactly what it is. There's no bullshit at all. Um, I think that like, I don't think that there's any part of Zoe that she hides really from people, and she's got no filter. And I love that about her. It's she's just unabashedly and unashamedly her all the time. <laughs> oh guys, you're so sweet. <laughs> you're so sweet. Um, okay, cool. So now we've been through like some serious shit. Let's uh, let's have some fun. You ready? Cool. Okay. So, if anything, uh, if you would have done anything differently in the last decade, what would it have been? If anything. Not related to relationship, just stuff. I life. probably I probably wouldn't have spent so much time working for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think uh, I think again. That's so weird because it actually comes back to it. It comes back to that whole idea of what society tells you. You need to you need to get a job. You need to rank up your salary. You need da, 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 da. And yeah, I think in the last, uh, I think I'm looking back over the last ten years. I, I realized that um, I did things not because I necessarily wanted to do them, it's because I thought I what I should be doing. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think I'm slowly changing that, but yeah. Cool. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> um, okay, if you could solve one mystery, what would it be? <laughs> That's usually your answer, Zoe. <sighs> uh, this is really depressing, but like, Americana. <laughs> <laughs> Who, what? Americana. Oh, Americana. I just, yeah, I just, I just, I know, I just don't understand and I just... I want to understand and I just find just generally all South African politics to be so complicated and I'm just, yeah, I struggle with Marikana. I, I want that mystery solved. Please. All right. <laughs> if you could resurrect one person from history, who would it be and why? Leonardo da Vinci. Mm. Just cause it's a good choice. Just because he's so badass and I would love to smoke a bong with him <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a really good answer I would like to yeah that's, yeah, that's a, a great a really answer, answer yeah. alright uh, we've got three more um, if we were able to bring back the dinosaurs should we um no <laughs> <laughs> because we've seen the documentary <laughs> Jurassic <laughs> Park <laughs> 1 till 5 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm you know, like, should we... We've or got birds, man. Should we, or... I mean, they're already here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why, why bring back something that's... that's, that's yeah. I mean, we love I mean, birds, so we'd probably love dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I might need to have a very long debate about that question. <laughs> well, well they, they say apparently that all dinosaurs had feathers was, now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay, how long would you last in a zombie apocalypse? I feel like I'm half-half on this, because in the one hand, I feel like... On the one hand, I feel like I'd be just, like, brutal going, like, ripping throats out if it wasn't 
I can see with a baseball bat yeah, yeah, with yeah, a nail yeah, in yeah. it. Just no, like I want losing. a chainsaw katana. That's what I want. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Jeez. And then on the cool. other hand, I kind of feel like I'd just be like, oh, I've never tried heroin before. Let me just... Okay. <laughs> 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 I'm half-half. Uh, <laughs> You're I a survivor. You're I think, a survivor. Yeah, I, I, I'd attempt to survive here. I think I got a pretty good shot. Yeah, I've, what's your weapon of choice? I've, I've, I've been a katana. A katana as well. <laughs> she has a chainsaw katana. You just want a regular katana. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. yeah we, I, I won't lie. We've, ha- we've thought about it. this way too much. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it this way? I'd give it a stab. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's a perfect way to end the conversation. So, uh, Dan, Zoe, thank you so much. And um, see you on the other side. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Breach. Thanks, Breach. Thanks, Breach. Breach. Present. Breach. Breach. Present. Sorry. Fuck, we watched that again the other day. It's so funny. No, we watched what they said on the channel.